Good evening, welcome to another episode of A Cuppa With. Uh, today I am not on my own, I have a guest, but first of all, I hope you've got your teas and brews. I, again, have my twinings because I am apparently, for a Yorkshire lass, I'm a tea snob. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, this podcast is to talk about mental health in a comfortable conversation over a brew like you would on any other subject. So today, I have a guest. I will let him introduce himself. Well, my name is Dean Hall. I am from Portland, Oregon, USA, but please don't hold that against me. I'm not one of those angry, ugly Americans. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And uh, I've been a therapist, a licensed clinical therapist for 30 years. And... uh, about eight years ago, mm-hmm. uh, my wife died of brain cancer 15 days before our 30th anniversary. That was so shattering to me that it, it suppressed my immune system. And I got leukemia and lymphoma mm-hmm. and really didn't care. Yeah. I got to a point in my life where it just wasn't important to live anymore. I got down to 159 pounds and thought, you know, this wouldn't be a bad way to go. Yeah. And I'd never felt sim- uh, suicidal in my life. And I, at that point, uh, was shocked and dismayed because I had a 21-year-old adorable daughter who just lost her mama. Mm. And so most of my story is about what I did to come back to life. Um, wow, that's a, that's a lot for anybody to go through. But I am going to pick out certain things because Certainly. Um, there's, I've always believed, and obviously they've done a lot more studies into it, that your mental health has effect on your physical health more than if it's the other way around. Now, there is contrasting stuff and people have their own opinions and this study goes against that study. We, you know, we couldn't read any journal that goes by. Um, but I've always had this opinion of, mental health can either make you or break you and if you're already suffering from a, an ailment or like in yourself with with cancer or anything like that it's just it makes it 10 times harder to recover if you are in not within your own uh, with not within a, a, a balanced mental state i mean it's very hard to be in a balanced mental state if you've gone through everything you've gone through but huh. <laughs> But yours experience is very linked to the mental health with the physical health. How was that? Like that experience? Yeah, I I totally agree. I've I've believed in uh, the mind body connection way back, all the way into the eighties. As an athlete, mm. uh, I realized that if uh, I saw. If my mental health or my mind was elsewhere, something was bothering me, my athletic performance uh, just suffered terribly. Whereas if I went into a game feeling strong, feeling confident, feeling happy, mm. uh, my performance uh, was what's mu- was much more elevated. And then watching, this is going to, Lynn, this is going to make me sound really OCD, so here we go. Okay. Uh, but in order... In order to sit for my license, I had to have 2,000 face-to-face hours. Wow. And once once they got me counting, I never stopped. <laughs> uh, I'm 
Last January, I passed my 50,000th hour, wow. and I, I've probably done about another two and a half, three thousand hours since. And so I've seen a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> constantly, time and time again, uh, how a person not only viewed their day, but viewed their future. And then to- the story they told themselves about their past mm. affected their physical and mental well-being. Mm. And so it's really pretty much the stories we tell ourselves and how we do that. But absolutely, uh, I was, I was, uh, and and there are there are exceptions. Yeah. I almost died four times. Uh, between 2010 when my wife died and then 2014 when I swam the Willamette River. Yeah. Um, one of those times uh, wasn't uh, primarily influenced by my body. I just swam across a lake in Oklahoma, mm. not realizing all lakes there just uh, since they're man-made are like petri dishes of bacteria and i got viral meningitis and woke up after being unconscious for three days that didn't have anything to do with my mental health obviously yeah uh yeah that was purely (laughs) physical but all the other times absolutely it was it was mostly because i just i had lost my way i mean with what you went through it would be very easy for somebody to lose their way. It's, 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 it's not something to be taken lightly in the slightest. And yeah. I mean, we've all had our, maybe not to the same extent as you, although I have known people to have some very extreme cases of horrible things happen. Um, how do you build that back up? I mean, I've had my own strategies and other people have had theirs, but is there any anything that you could put towards I mean like with the whole physical and, and mental together do you think do you personally think the whole swimming thing helped build your mental health back up oh absolutely uh there are parts of the story I didn't tell you I uh, grew up here in Oregon mm-hmm. and uh, played a lot of soccer yeah and even came to your neck of the woods at age 16 and 17. Hey. Um, yeah, had a wonderful time. As a matter of fact, didn't want to come back to America. I loved the Brits so much. But uh, had all sorts of scholarships. And on a lark, being a young, stupid kid, I picked a small college in Kansas because Kansas has a lot of American history and I'd never heard of anyone that had ever been there. (laughs) So I just thought I'd go there, play for a year and have had a nice experience, not knowing that I would uh, meet this cute little Kansas farm girl and fall in love and put myself in exile for love. So (laughs) it was kind of a little more complicated for me because all my adult identity uh, we then moved to her small town of only about 13,000. And even after she died and I had lived there for 33, people were still referring to me as, oh, Mary's husband. Or they would even welcome me, welcome me that way. Oh, hey, Mary's husband. And, and then we both realized, oh, yeah. I'm not Mary's husband anymore. And so when she died, Kansas without the cute little Kansas girl, 
uh, was just, well, Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. (laughs) So I moved back home, but by moving home, I gave up my thriving practice, which had been a big part of my life. Yeah. And I gave up all my friends. Yeah. Typically, when people go through this kind of thing, they bury themselves in work. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Yeah. But they have the support of their friends, and all of a sudden I didn't. Yeah. So I was very, very alone. And there was one other thing I'd seen time and time again as a therapist, and that is the power of purpose. Yeah. If you have something that you feel very passionate about that you can give your whole heart and mind to, yeah. then it has the power to bring you back. And that's what swimming was for me. And it really wasn't so much swimming as trying to do some impossible physical feat or literally die trying. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's powerful within itself. Like, do this or die trying. It's like, it's like if I'm going, it sounds like to me, it's like if I'm going to die, I might as well do something awesome while I'm doing it. <laughs> that's exactly, that's, I've never had anyone capture it as well. That's perfect. That's exactly what it was, Lynn, because my daughter was so scared that I was going to die, especially having almost lost me to viral meningitis just Mm. a year earlier, uh, that she developed this tick in her eye, this nervous tick where she was winking all the time. And I just wanted to do something to show her that I was going to be all right. And then I knew that even if it killed me, she would have a legacy of courage and be proud of what her dad had tried to do. Yeah. Because when I when I told my doctors that I was going to do this, yeah. uh, they said, absolutely not. You get in a pool yeah. and just the public pool could kill you. And I told them, what do you want me to do? Just sit on a couch watching TV? I'm, I'm not I'm not going to die doing that. I'm going to die doing something. Oh, oh, you would die, but it wouldn't be an actual death. That's yeah. The... <laughs> yeah. You, you'd be living, but you'd be dead. That's the way would, I would see it. Yeah, you just uh, defined most of the population of America at this point in time. Oh God, yeah. yeah. Uh, Walking zombies. It's the thing is, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I couldn't sit on, on the sofa, at watching TV all day. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's not to me. That's mind numbing. I can't, I can't. And I'm not like listeners. I'm not going to judge you on if you want to binge watch like the latest TV series. Well, I go for it. But personally, for my choice, and this is for me, I couldn't sit on a sofa watching TV all day because that reminds me of when I was depressed and Mm. I knew that I spent for, I think it was about three weeks, I never left my sofa um, unless my children needed me because they were literally the only things that would get me moving. And when I was really dark, literally, at times, I would not even move then because my then partner would then go and sort them out and be like, because he was like, I don't know what to do, like, you're not moving, like, you need to see somebody. So when I think of sitting on the sofa, watching hours of TV and not sleeping, and I just immediately go back to that thought and I don't want to be that way again. I don't want, and I know if I sit in front of a TV for hours on end, that's going to make me go back into that because my I'm, I've got a, a very active mind and you sound like you got the same thing where you just right. like, 
got I'm either gonna do this or I'm gonna just die trying because <laughs> what's right, the what's right. the other option? Exactly. Plus, uh, losing my wife really she was only fifty two when she died. And uh, it really gave one of the greatest gifts from that tragedy was it broke my illusion that we have an unlimited number of days and an unlimited number of uh, moments on this planet. We don't. And uh, boy, you just want to squeeze life for all it's worth. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I had a thought just recently about this where people are like, so what's your end goal, your end like destination? I'm just like, and I came to the realization, death. And I know that sounds really <laughs> horrid to think, but I'm just like, everybody goes, what's your end goal? Like, what's your, you know, you, you what you're aspiring to? How's it going to end? Like, well, the same as everybody in a grave. Not to sound harsh, yeah. but that is your right. end result. So right. you've got from now until that point of that point of an inevitability. Oh God, I can't think of my words. Inevitability. I think I got it right. Which everybody faces. It's not like you're singled out. It's not like death points a finger solely at you. Everybody gets it at some point. So between that span of now and when that day comes, what are you going to do with that time? It could be a week because you could get hit by a bus tomorrow and that would be it. Or it could be the next 60 years. How are you going to spend that? And there's where your journey is. You go between that. It's always the journey. I'm like a person who is. I don't mind knowing the end of a film, because I will still sit and watch it because I enjoy the journey of the film. Exactly. And right. I, and I think a lot of people are so worried about the end point. Once you go, well, the end point's death. Which where what are you gonna do with the bit in between? That's where you're gonna go. Right. Well, if I'm gonna do something, I'm gonna do it or literally die trying because <laughs> right, that's right. the end point and I think once you've took that into account it makes you go well what's going to happen next what can I do next and even if you do, do still battle with the odd bad day or more bad days than good it depends how your mental health issues are you still got some good in between that you still travel along this journey and trying to make something of it rather than dying before you're dead (laughs) which i'm afraid most of us in this modern world already have you're right yes it's it's either the dying before they're already dead or they're spending too much being angry there's there's a lot of anger in the world and to be fair there's a lot to be angry at but i always say hatred begins more hatred you're not gonna you don't Nobody in history has ever won by carrying on anger and hatred. I, I, right. It's it's one of those. I I've been reading um, Ordinary Men. I've told everybody mm-hmm. about this, and it's because mm-hmm. I wanted to. For one, I wanted to disprove how horrid a book it was, and bloody hell, it's a horrid book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to see how far human behavior could go uh, if it was going on the bad side, and also. The little bits in between but what's come out of it is the understanding of hang on a sec if we've not figured out that this stuff doesn't work then why are we still making the same decisions and i think that comes into everybody it's like 
we already know what doesn't work. How about we figure out what does work? Like with you, you already knew that sitting around doing much wouldn't do anything for you. So how about I try swimming instead? Because mm-hmm. how, how did you get to swimming? Well, I did a lot of triathlons um, in the 80s and 90s and loved them. But I knew that I couldn't uh, run mm-hmm. uh, be- and I knew I couldn't bike because uh, I was just too weak. Yeah. But I knew that I could swim and I'd always grown up. I, I Both my mom and my dad were mountain climbers here okay. in Oregon. So I tell everyone I was raised by wolves and uh, because I had this wonderful childhood where we were way up in the wilderness climbing mountains and we'd get to an alpine lake. And Lynn, this just occurred to me and it was kind of a blow, Okay. but uh, at about eight or nine, they'd see this lake and they'd say, hey, Dean, bet you can't swim across that. And I'd be like, yes, I can. And I'd swim across it and they'd be so proud and congratulate me. And it just occurred to me, they probably just wanted some quiet. <laughs> and they knew they'd get it if I had my face in the water. So <laughs> I, I ran that past them, and they laughed for a while and then denied it heavily. But I, I think I caught the truth there. But um, so it, mm. it planted in me this, this wonderful uh, kind of life of adventuring, number one, but then swimming out in open water way before anyone was doing it. Mm. And uh, I just knew I had to do something. And so I was looking for a purpose, and swimming really hadn't even occurred to me. But I found an old journal I kept when I was 12 years old. Oh, yeah. And on it, I had written things I wanted to accomplish in my life Mm. when I was a man. Yeah. And one of them was swimming the English Channel. Ah. So originally, that's what I decided to do. Yeah. But as I was swimming, um, all my numbers started going in the right direction, and I started to gain weight and build muscle and look a little bit more like myself yeah. instead of you know a zombie. And uh, my head started to clear, and as my head started to clear, I I started to ask myself, who cares if another middle-aged American puts on a Speedo and swims to France, it does the world no good. And in my case, it's not even a pretty picture. So <laughs> so I started asking myself, what could I do that would be even bigger than that, that maybe had never been done and would do the world some good? Mm-hmm. And I was born only blocks away from the Willamette River. And in Oregon, uh, the Willamette River is kind of our mother river. It's a mm-hmm. uh, it's like the Thames of Oregon. It, um, it cuts through the state, goes through our state capital, and then through Portland, our largest city, and then dumps into the Columbia. Okay. And, yeah, and so I found out that it was 100, it, well, it still is, 187 miles long, mm-hmm. and no one had ever swum it. So that's what I decided to do. I got, I'm going to have to ask you this. What was you thinking when you was actually swimming? Uh, not a lot. I've been doing mindfulness meditation for 20 years and there's something really beautiful, not only about swimming that puts you in a meditative state, but swimming outdoors. Uh, and I could feel the current and, uh, there were many times I saw bald eagles, uh, flying over me or deer or beaver and just these 
gigantic fir trees that we have here in Oregon and mm. pine. And so any time that I did get tired, I would think, you know what? I'm here in Oregon. I'm not mm. stuck in Kansas anymore. Mm. And I'm not in a hospital bed. Mm. And I'm not dying. Yeah. So life's, life's pretty good. So that's that's about all. That's and about all. That's Because, that, to be honest, that was one of the main things I wanted to ask you. Because I, I know people get into those states of mind. And mindfulness is obviously, for one, it's a massive thing at the moment. Um, right. It seems to be such a buzz thing and people are either heavily deep in it or basically poo-pooing the idea completely right right um i've i personally i've been in mindful uh, mindfulness classes and and stuff like that and it, it's if anything it's not just the classes of of helping me do mindfulness but it's also the pe- people i met as well because I've, sure. I've met some people that i'm still friends with and love to death um but I do mindfulness and it's helped me, but there are times when I slip in, slip out. But it, funny enough, it's always when I'm outdoors. When I'm outdoors, if I try and do it, say, if I go for a workout and um, and it's in closed proximity, like if I'm doing it in my own home and I'm doing weights and stuff like that, I can't seem to get into that state. But as soon as I go for, like, there's a, a an area not far from here which has a little gorge that runs through it, and I love doing all the rock climbing around it, and then I stick my feet in the water and meditate. It's freezing, yeah. and I can only do it for a good, like, five, maybe ten minutes tops, because otherwise I can't feel my toes afterwards. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's so refreshing, but I can't... Even if I just go for a walk with, you know, a book on or stuff like that, it, it is, there's got to be some form of connection to outside and mindfulness. Oh, there certainly is, yeah. Um, and there's a book that came out, I believe, in 2012 or 13, but I didn't run across it until after I had completed my swim of the Willamette. I was doing some talks, and people kept saying, have you read Blue Mind? Have you read Blue Mind by Wallace J. Nichols? Okay. And I hadn't, and so I did, and it was like reading my diary. Mm. And Wallace J. Nichols is a marine biologist that lives down in California, and he found that he was doing a study on sea turtles, and he'd go out for a week or two into the ocean and then come back, and he noticed that just after an hour or two on the ocean, he would feel more calm, more settled, uh, happier, more positive. And then after a few days away from the ocean, his old anxiety and uh, stress would crop mm-hmm. back up and become a problem. And so he started having psychologists and even neuropsychologists study this. Okay. And they found that when you're in, on, around, under, or by water, that the human brain is just hardwired to slow down. And so I really think, and and that's one of the parts of my story that's really miraculous, uh, and I love this part because I really had nothing to do with it. Uh, the, The first blood test I took after my swim, mm-hmm. I, I knew I was feeling good, but I just wanted to see how, how I was doing. Yeah. And the doctors were shocked to find that my leukemia was gone. Wow. And the type of leukemia I had was chronic lymphocytic leukemia. Once you get it, 
they all the doctors will tell you you'll have it the rest of your life you'll never get rid of it you just have to learn to manage it yeah. and it was totally gone wow. um, and I think it was because of just constantly being immersed and on and flowing with the water it was so good for my mind and body I was doing it 8 to 12 hours a day for 22 days mm-hmm. that it just changed kind of changed my hard wiring my circuitry I really believe it that's interesting actually because I've always said that I'm I I love water I love being by water but it has to be free-flowing water it has to be it can't be confined I've never bothered about swimming pools or anything like that it it doesn't interest me the slightest but put me near a sea or because I come from a little sea like literally the middle of nowhere this little seaside town like, and I always thought it was because of that. I always thought it was because I, I spent the first few years of my life by water in some shape or form, even up until maybe my mid-teenage years, not long before I had my daughter. And I'd go uh-huh. to see my nana, I'd take her dog for a walk, we'd go down by the beach, you know, I'd when my granddad was alive, he'd take us down, me and my sister would play. And I just assumed it was because of that. Um, so whenever I get nearby water, I feel more relaxed. Like instantly, I can sit there. F- I am a very fidgety person. I have, I have a lot of weird anxieties. I can't generally sit still. I'm usually fidgeting. Even when I'm relaxed, some part of me is tinkering away. Um, and but as soon as I get by water, I can sit. Completely sit. It's the only time I can do it is if I'm by the sea or a river and I can shut off and I can just listen to the water It or in the case of the gorge, stick my feet in it. It's the only time I can stop, like completely stop it. So, I've, I've, so that, that, that part interests me actually quite a lot because knowing how fidgety I am and then I get to water and I instantly slow down and stop, it, it makes sense. It does, doesn't it? And it's uh, anybody I've ever, any client I've ever had do it since 2014. And and it really doesn't matter how you interact with water. You can find your own way. Mm. But for me personally, I am quite convinced that I'm ADD, even though I've never been diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, But I was always the daydreaming kid that uh, couldn't sit still as well. And starting about 17 or 18, I started lap swimming, and I noticed it slowed down. Even though I hated pools, and they were totally boring, and I don't like chlorine, uh, it would slow my brain down long enough to go to college, and I went to a lot of college, so I needed a lot of lap (laughs) swimming. (laughs) And then, especially now, as a therapist, I sit Mm. and listen to people all day, Mm. intensely and there's no way I could do that if I wasn't swimming if I'm if I'm about three to five days away from swimming everybody that knows me tells me to get in the pool (laughs) Uh, see that's the thing that's that's concerning me because I'm currently in university Uh, I'm hoping to one day be a clinical psychologist so um lot of uh, the same as you there's going to be a lot of sitting in in front of like lectures for quite some time yet and the whole, I, fi- I find myself even now sat there fidgeting and struggling to sit still. 
and I'll twist and I'll turn and I'll I've got a, a, a habit of picking up my cuticles um my parents used to say stop biting your fingers so I've moved it onto my cuticles <laughs> <laughs> you're working your way up huh? yeah working my way up so it does it does concern me so knowing that I'm I'm going to have to see if I can try that instead and actually like be be more in I mean I know water always calms me as well but I live in a city. It's not exactly easy to get by free running water. So sure. I might have to try your theory out on that one. You really should because it's been 100%. I've been using this since uh, early 90s hmm. and telling people, anybody that would come to me, especially adolescents. Now, this is just anecdotal. I don't have any research, but it works for me. Anyone that's ever tried it and the the prescription is swimming 11 laps or more three times or more a week okay that's all that's all it takes that's all it takes but now just a couple years ago you know michael phelps the world famous gold medal swimmer yeah uh it's very add Mm. and they did studies on him and they found that his swimming does control his add and so now it is scientifically proven. And what they think is happening in that swimming is, number one, the rhythm of water, but also what they call bio, binaural rhythm. Yeah. Uh, his brain is, especially when you're doing the front crawl, just moving like this. Yeah. And that rocking back and forth supposedly balances the brain and the neurochemistry. Well, that's interesting because so. my son's autistic. Oh and, yeah, and he absolutely adores swimming. Like, if he's in it, he ain't getting out of it for quite some time. But yeah. he's always yeah. a lot. He'll get tired towards the end of the day a lot quicker than he normally would. But he's sure. a lot calmer throughout the day. Even like when we was on holiday, um, his dad would take him swimming. Um, even though me and his dad are not together, we do family holidays together. And his dad would take him swimming and I'd go for a run. And I always noticed that he'd come back in such a better mood. He would be right. he would be able to sit without, like, I want to do something. Why can't we do something? You know, like, he's just as, obviously, because he's autism, he's the same, if not worse, than me for, like, we have to do something. I can't sit down. So it, it's, it's, it's nice. Oh, I'm going to have to make sure. I, I might just get a membership at the swimming pool. There you go. Yeah, and I've found now that I've spent so much time in wild waterways, a huge difference between open natural water and what I call dead water, the, the water in the pool. Um, once you get used to how a river or an ocean or a lake feels, there's something about it, I, I without sounding too much like a hippie, you can just feel a vibrational switch or change that is not there when you're in a pool. It's the flow. But I, I still get in the pool so I can swim yeah. everywhere else. I always find that when I'm when I'm in free-flowing water, it's the flow. It's not like, it doesn't even feel like it's going around me. It feels like it's going through me. It's right. like, it's, right. it's not, you're not. It's not like you're not separate from the water. You feel like you're part right. of the water. And because yeah. you're going with it, you're part of, you feel like you're part of the current. 
It's like you're taking... Absolutely. You, you take, it's like, I always imagine it's what a fish feels like just going through it all. You don't, you're right. not, you don't go against it, you go with it. So, right. kind of like life, you don't go against it, you go with it. Well, I've gone against it most of my life, but uh, not anymore. <laughs> nope, now I go with it, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's funny that I've... I've You've given me a lot to think about there. Oh, good, good. <laughs> and as I'm sure you'll have questions, as those arise, don't hesitate to let me know. I'll help you through it. Oh, well, I think the main one is, uh, I, I, I've having that connection with what I say. I always just thought it was where I'd grown up. I just thought it was like the seas, basically. I mean, my family from my mother's side go back years of being by the sea. Um, like and where a, where were you? Um, like I come from a little seaside town called Wyvernsea, just outside of Hull in East Yorkshire. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Um, just on the edge of uh, the the Umber, so, um, but it's like literally like not many people know about it. It is in the middle of nowhere, and it's one of those sadly one of those used to be years many years ago used to be a thriving seaside town. Now mm-hmm. it's a very mm-hmm. quiet, closed-off place, which right. always seems a shame. But it, it's it's one of those. But I'd spent years there. My family is all from either there or around there, and they always seem to locate back there after a certain amount of time. So really? I just thought it was that. But I've been to places like I spend my holiday time in Devon. Um, mm. I don't. Did you ever go to Devon when you was across here? I just just drove through it. That's all. Yeah. It, it's the the calmest waters yet peaceful. There's just something extremely peaceful. I feel really centered when I'm there. Mm. Like I literally, mm. I could stand still for hours and not be bothered. There's, wow. Uh, there's, and and for me, that's an incredible feat on its own. <laughs> so right, right. I say like I just thought water was just in my blood like literally water was in my blood but yeah it's given me a lot to think about that's 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 interesting and that's where i go in devon it's literally surrounded there's a river that goes through that flows through then you've got literally the sea on the other side of it so you look oh okay yeah and where i go yeah like, it's, this is the most peaceful and beautiful sight. every time i see it, it makes me extremely happy you go up a hill, you get to the top in this place where it goes into a, a town called Tinmouth, and okay. you get as you come to the peak, you can look down. It's got a, a beautiful little church, and then at the back, all you see is blue, and it's the mm. most. It, it, I don't know. It just makes me just instantly happy. There is no yeah. other feeling. I'm just like, yes, I'm back here. It's awesome. Oh. <laughs> and I'm I've only just gone to the town over, but I do it every single time. <laughs> oh, that's fun. But yeah, definitely. So, um, not far off from the end. So, okay. um, first of all, I'd like to say thank you for this. It's been interesting. Oh, it's been fun. You've yeah, given, good. You've, I would say you've given some food for thought, but you've given some water for thought. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Even, Even better. better. If anybody wanted to find you, follow your journey, or, you know, want to know more into the swimming and connection with waters and stuff like that, how do they find you? Well, the best way to find me anymore, I'm hanging out the most on Instagram, at Swimming in Miracles. And then I have a website entitled Swimming in Miracles as well. 
So those are the two easiest ways to get a hold of me. And then I, there is a Facebook page, a Swimming in Miracles Facebook page as well. well I'll put, so those are the easiest ways. I'll put all the links um, in the when I when I pop pop this up. Um, okay. But again, thank you. It's been an interesting one, and now we're down to. Oh, our... it's been fun, Lynn. Thank you. Um, down to the final question. Dun dun dun. Oh. <laughs> the big one. Here we go. I don't have any questions for us. This is just the one question at the end. Like you have been through some incredible. You've been you've had an incredible journey from heart wrenching to heart mending, like everything from a mind mending um and i'm gonna say you come across a person who is about to go through everything that you've ever been through felt everything that you've ever felt the heartache the heart the heart mending the 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 building up the tearing down the lot you're but you're not allowed to tell them anything you're not allowed to you're not allowed to Tell them what they're about to go through, uh, how hard it is, how what parts were easy, nothing. All you can do is give them three pieces of advice to get them through it. What would they be? Well, the first one is to have the faith that everything is a miracle. Um, that's really what turned me around and made me even start thinking about a purpose. I was just at death's door doing terribly just uh, even praying for some kind of answer. And I ran across a quote from Einstein that said, there are only two ways to live your life. One is as if nothing is a miracle. The other is as if everything's a miracle. And because of everything that had happened to me, and because I'm the deeply spiritual person that I am, I mm. blurted out a few profanities, nearly broke my laptop, slamming it shut. Mm. And... Uh, called Einstein a few names. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, I couldn't, it was what I call a Velcro quote. It just stuck to my heart and mind. Mm. And so I decided to give it a two-week trial run. Imagine everything is a miracle. Yeah. And uh, within two days, it had changed my life. Uh, I realized that I have too limited an understanding of the universe and the way the universe works, yeah. even my own body, uh, to really even recognize uh, the miraculous. And so I started studying the human body and found out that the human vascular system, the average adult human vascular system, is long enough to reach around the world twice. Wow. That's pretty miraculous. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many other things like that that I could go on and on. But once you start looking at everything as a miracle, it changes the way you look at life, the way you act about life, the way you meet other people, even when they're rude or unkind or when you're having a bad day. Uh, if you believe even that bad day might be a miracle or a miracle in the making, it changes everything. And that's why I my swimming in miracles is not so much about swimming as it is about miracles. Uh, I believe that once you start looking for miracles, there are so many around you every moment of every day that you're literally swimming in them, hence swimming in miracles. So the first one would be have the faith to know that everything is a miracle. Yeah. The second one is to... Uh, have the hope 
that you can achieve your greatest life and your most limitless dream. Yeah. Uh, there is literally very few things, if any, in this life that are impossible. And so I would tell them to really hope for the absolute greatest for them. And, and one of the things that's been fun is one of the first things I ask any of my clients are, what are your hopes and dreams? Yeah. Thinking that none of them would know. Yeah. I've only had two in all these years that didn't know when I pressed them, mm. but they'd given up on them. Oh. at some point because of a trauma or a tragedy. Yeah. And no one's hopes and dreams are the same, Lynn. That's what's no. so perfect. Yeah, and so always have the hope for becoming uh, your most limitless self and achieving what others believe is impossible. And then the third one would be Love is the greatest gift you can give yourself and others, and it's really what it's all about. Um, and mm -hmm. so I would really encourage anyone, if they don't know what to do, if they're having a bad day, reach out and give somebody some love or ask for it yourself. Yeah. Um, if you know there's somebody safe and somebody that loves you enough to do that. Um, because as cheesy and uh, motivational poster-ish as it sounds, <laughs> I believe that love is the most healing force and most powerful force in the universe. And so it really comes down to what I call the big three, faith, hope, and love. Mm. And uh, I guess that's that's what I would encourage. I think there's one thing I've, I've picked out straight away is when you said love yourself and others. I think a lot of people forget to do that it's like it's easy to love somebody else it's very hard to love yourself and i think right. that 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 is a, a very valid point is that you have to remember that and i've said this to other people it's always the oxygen mask theory you gotta sort yourself out to be able to help others you can't right. yeah uh, the when i've i've seen um therapists in the past the woman that she was amazing she just put it in light for me she was like well, it's a bank account. You are a bank account. If you're constantly withdrawing, you're going to be overdrawn. How can you continue to pay for bit for the stuff if you're constantly overdrawn? You have exactly. to deposit to take out. And I was like, I'd never. When somebody just put it in that basic term for me, I was like, Oh hell yeah! Never thought of it that way. <laughs> it's always weird that those little things that would make you, Oh yeah, great. I'd never thought of it like that. And right. um. You've definitely given me something to think about water. I, I, I could I'm never so make the connection. Glad. I could never make the connection, but I see the connection now. Good, good, good. And so the two books I'd really like you to read is if you weren't busy enough. <laughs> uh, are Masaru Emoto's book, um, and I can't remember the exact title, but I think it's either The Wisdom of Water or The Message of Water. Mm. And just look up Masaru Emoto. Mm. And then Wallace J. Nichols' Blue Mind. Blue Mind. Those two books will literally continue this uh, journey for you and change your life. Well, thank you. Um, it's, it's, it's been a wild ride, this one. <laughs> <laughs> so glad. <laughs> um, but again, thank you. I really do appreciate it. And um, I say, people, you need to come and look him up. 
is awesome. It's good stuff. And if you like water, you need to get on with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Until next episode, good day, good brew. If you like this episode and want to listen to more, I have over 60 episodes of A Cuppa With. And they go from me talking on my own about subjects and stories of my life to others. And some people I've spoken to have incredible, incredible stories. And that's what it's all about. Talking about people's stories over a cup of tea. And having those open conversations. So, like I say, if you like, share, subscribe, rate. That's all appreciated. And thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us.